0: Welcome to the Not About Me podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor, and I am so glad you're here today and tuned in from whatever listening platform you found us on. We are so grateful that you're here. We are still in our series called A Prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but this has, again, just been so helpful to me and very encouraging. The first week, we talked about having a lifestyle characterized by prayer like that of Daniel and how he kept a rhythm of praying to God three times. Despite the fact that his enemies were making a decree that anyone caught worshipping any other god other than the king would be thrown into the lion's den. We saw in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his god just as he had done before. So it was a pattern for him. It was a rhythm of his day. and didn't deter him from keeping in that rhythm. In the next episode, we talked about some tips to help us get to know God through prayer. Remember, we talked about getting around other believers to pray because it's encouraging and because God moves when we're gathered together. I also suggested praying some of the scriptures in the Bible because those are helpful when you don't know what to pray. And then we talked about this idea of praying continually and that a good way to do that is just inviting God into our everyday lives throughout the day, uh, whether we're driving down the road or shower, or, or just whatever, however you can fit God into your life with intention. And then we talked about last week how praying uh, to take our thoughts captive and lining up our thoughts with truth, God gives us peace when we take our anxious thoughts and our anxious minds and hearts to Him through prayer, and that was found in Philippians 4, verses 6-8. So today we're going to continue on with our series about prayer. This time, we're going to be talking about praying together as a group uh, and then for people around us. So, let's not waste any time. Let's get started on the Not About Me podcast. So, we talked about creating a rhythm of prayer, some tips to help us with prayer, and we talked about having peace when we pray and give our anxious thoughts to God. Today, I want to talk about praying together as a unit. Uh, It doesn't have to be a big number of people. Um, it could just be you and one other person, but let's talk about what happens when we pray together, or when we pray for someone else other than ourselves. First, let's talk about praying for someone else. Have you ever have someone just come up to you and tell you what's on their heart, or they tell you something that's going on with their family, and you say, "Oh, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you," and then you go on about your business, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a horrible habit of forgetting to pray. Uh, or if I'm really being honest, uh, before God convicted me, I just didn't pray. It was kind of just something I said. Uh, No excuse, uh, just the truth. However, uh, God used a patient of mine to convict my spirit about this. I was working as a case manager in the hospital, and part of my job at the time was to figure out what the patient had at the house already or wherever they lived, um, and then try to anticipate any of their needs once they were going to be discharged from the hospital. So I go into this patient patient's room, and I notice he has a Bible on his bedside table, so I start asking him what he was reading. Uh, so this is a complete God story, because what he had been reading was the same thing I had been reading, and we didn't know each other until that moment I walked in his room. Uh, he told me he had been a retired preacher, and then his daughter walked in, and we just continued on the conversation, and now she's engaged, and he's telling me, uh, he keeps a notebook in his back pocket, and she confirms this for me, and... He says whenever someone asks him to pray for them, he writes the request down and then immediately says a quick prayer over that person. Um, And for me, I was forever changed because I knew at the time that God was calling me to something else, but I just didn't know what it was. And so they prayed for me right then that God would show me, and here I am now doing this podcast. So it was really moving, and something that has stuck with me uh, over the last few years um, to be more intentional when I hear people ask me to pray. I think about the story from the Old Testament in Second Kings uh, 6, verses 8 through 23. See, there's these two kings that are in battle with one another. You have the king of Aram, who is super frustrated because every time he thinks he has the king of Israel surrounded and he's going to take the king of Israel by surprise, the king of Israel is always on his guard, and he's never caught off guard. And this drove the king of Aram just mad. He was so mad, he thought he had a spy within his camp. and He brings all his officers together. And we see the report from the officers in verse 12. uh, And that says, none of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, your very words you speak in your bedroom. And the king's mad. So in verse 13, he tells his officers to go and find them, go and find Elisha. Uh, so I can send men and capture him. And so then they tell the king where he is. The king sends his horses and chariots and strong force out there. Um, and they went at night and they surrounded the city. So then Elisha's servant wakes up and he's I assume you know stretching and you know getting his morning started, he's probably rubbing the sleep out of his eye, and he's scared. In verse fifteen, he says, "Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? He's super nervous and really intimidated by what he's seeing. And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Uh, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that's a great verse to claim uh, when you're going through something, that there's more with you than what your eyes see. And then in verse 17, we see that Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. So just a quick little prayer for his servant. But then the servant's eyes are open. He sees the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. But Elisha wasn't done praying because he prayed that the enemy would be blinded. And they were. Elisha prayed for his servant to see God move, to see the protection that they had around them, uh, basically to increase his faith. And God answered. So I want to ask us, who were you praying for? When someone asks you to pray for them, do you? or is it just an automatic response like I had and you just say I'll be praying for you and then you go on about your day. Let's talk about also meeting together to pray in groups. It Doesn't have to be a very big group. It's cool if it is. It's even better when it's your whole church or a community or whatever. But a biblical example of this occurred in Acts chapter 12 uh, in verses 1 through 19 and I want to read that for us very quickly cuz it's it is very moving. So Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword, and when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guard by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared with a bright light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed." And this was in Acts 12, 1-19. So here's Peter who's been arrested. He's sitting in jail. He's heavily guarded. He's bound. He's waiting until his public trial as soon as the Passover ends. And what does verse 5 say the church was doing? It was earnestly praying to God for Peter. And did I mention he's heavily guarded between two soldiers? Bound with two chains and even more guards at the entrance. And they're praying. They're earnestly praying. Not a, oh, Lord, just be with Brother Peter. No, they are earnestly. Earnestly means with conviction. So the angel comes in verse 7 and walks him right out of prison, defying every bit of logic, right? That doesn't make sense that he would be bound, have so many guards with him, and just be able to get up and walk out. Peter's not even really sure what's going on. He thinks he's dreaming. He thinks he's seeing a vision. They walk right past the guards at the entrance and come to the Iron City Gate. I mean, have y'all ever seen an Iron Gate? Maybe like an old fort or castle or something. They make noise. uh, And it probably wasn't really easy to move. But it opened for Peter and the angel. What did verse 11 say? Peter woke up and realized what happened. And then where did he go? what did he find? In verse 12 we see he went to the house where many people had gathered and were praying. They were still praying. Y'all, he found them praying. So here are two quick thoughts about this. Are we earnestly praying or are we just flippantly praying? There's a difference. Are we gathered together praying? Recently our church had what some would call uh, a revival meeting if you will. Um During that time, they did a prayer tunnel, and what that looks like if is you write down on a card, and you walk through the aisle. We had three different aisles, four different aisles maybe going, um, and people are on either side of the aisle facing uh, each other, and you walk between them with your card, and you wrote on your card something you wanted them to pray for you. So I wrote down for them to pray for me to love others the way God loves us for boldness to use this podcast for what God wants to tell his people, that's you, and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out to effectively lead those that he has entrusted to me. Now, I can only speak how I felt, but it was powerful. It was even more powerful seeing lines of people, at least probably 500, gathered to walk through these tunnels and receive prayer. And then when they got done, some of them even went, Further to the altar, or they gathered in groups afterwards and prayed again together. That was something that my small group did, and it was moving. I don't think anybody left without a tear in their eye uh, because we were so encouraged. Um, another woman from my small group said her son even noticed the shift in the room, and he knew something was different. The power of God moves when we're gathered together praying. So why don't we do this more? I really don't have a good answer for you i know that god has given me visions of it happening i've had visions of churches from different denominations coming together and praying for revival for their town for the outskirts of their towns for our nation i've had visions of people giving up their time to be in strategic areas say at festivals or parades and other uh, events maybe Uh, you know sometimes churches go to these events Uh, And it's to sell things, to make money for missions, uh, you know, by selling sodas, waters, or food, or whatever. And those things aren't wrong. Uh, I think they have good intentions. But why don't we do that offering living water? Why don't we do that to offer prayer for freedom from sin, uh, for restoring homes, for breaking the chains uh, that people are under because of their sin? Church, we need to be gathering together, praying to God, to move just as the church was gathered in the home praying for Peter. Just like Elisha prayed to have God open the eyes of his servants so he could see God surrounding them and protecting them. We need to earnestly pray, not flippantly be praying. It's time to break that habit. Listen, I don't always know the words to pray, uh, especially when... There are family members asking me to pray or going through something really hard, say like cancer or some kind of sickness. I don't know what to pray when the power of addiction is so strong and it's tearing families apart and people I love. Uh, I don't know sometimes how to pray when things don't make sense. But I do pray that God would always get the glory no matter what and acknowledge that even if I don't know how to pray, I know that Romans 8:15 and 16 says, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then in verse 26 and verse 27 it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So don't worry about knowing what to pray. We've already talked about praying Scripture. That was a great Scripture you can use. God, I don't know, but I know you hear the Holy Spirit because your Word says so here in Romans 8. By gathering together and praying, we're living out the greatest commandments in loving the Lord and loving our neighbor. Because it's not about me. God moved for me during the recording of that episode. Uh, I pray He's encouraged your heart to pray more openly, to pray more often, and to pray with more courage than you ever have because I believe God wants to use each one of us in a mighty way to bear witness for His kingdom and to bring glory to a very I think that wraps up our series on prayer i do want to do some testimonials for you guys uh people that i know that have been praying for things and hopefully will be encouraging to you um and those will be coming out soon if you like today's episode or you know someone that can encourage please like share comment you guys know what to do you can find us on instagram or you can send us an email to not podcast at gmail.com in the show notes as well as the scripture references used in today's episode. So, join us again as we continue to pursue a life loving God and loving our neighbor and living a life not about me.